Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Chris Connolly. And I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Above all, we love bringing librarians and great books together. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hey, it's Virginia. I'm sitting here with my favorite person in the whole wide world, Nancy Pearl. Oh, I bet you say that to all your guests, Virginia. <laughs> I don't have any other guests. You're in. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, but it's true. You know, we go back a long way. We Nancy go back. Pearl. So, yeah, we were young then. We were. We were. We didn't eat glasses. We That's were babies. Oh, God. Librarian, author, host of the TV show Booklust. Those are three of the many hats that you have worn and continue to wear. But um, right now we're talking to Nancy Pearl, author. Yes. And she has a new book that is coming out, luckily, from HarperCollins. We are fortunate to have you under our roof. Uh, you've co-written this book with Jeff Schwager, and it's called The Writer's Library. And it goes on sale in September 2020, but I wish it was happening right now because it's so exciting. It, well, it's so it's um, it's such an interesting project, and Jeff and I are so um, psyched to be doing it. it. So it is a collection of interviews with major writers around the country, American writers, and uh, gosh, we've had such fun going from California to New York to Minneapolis, um, and back again to New York, up to Maine, uh, upstate New York. Gosh, Russell Banks, Mm. we talked to, you know, Russell Banks, who I met, gosh, in 1998. We brought him to Seattle for the very first If All Seattle Read the Same Book. Uh, which is has the most clunky title if all Seattle read the same <laughs> book back then. Now it's just called I Understand Seattle Reads. But we brought Russell Banks there. And, and may I interrupt to yes. say that you were you were the engine behind that entire movement well, that was started by you. That was the very first one ever. Yes, yes. And we were so fortunate to have Russell yes. chosen as uh, as the the author to be celebrated, and I was there for that. You and that were was quite an amazing time. It was, it was, and you know we did his novel, The Sweet Hereafter, and I was a fan of Russell's ever since then. I mean, I had been a fan, and The Sweet Hereafter was one of my favorite books, which is why we chose it for the first <laughs> book because it's endlessly discussable. But he. Um, I, you know, when Jeff and I sat down and said, who do we want to interview? Who, who would we love to talk to about the books that in their lives that they have loved? Um, Russell Banks was very high on our list, as mm-hmm. was Louise Erdrich, mm-hmm. and as was the poet Jane Hirschfield. 
as was um, novelist Richard Ford, and then some younger writers, some newer writers that we really wanted to do, um, Michael Chabon and his wife Ayala Waldman. We thought how much fun that would be to sit down with both of them to talk about books that they both love and that they, you know, that they shared um, an, a fondness for. Um, so that's what we've been doing. That's what be what this. That's what this year, two thousand and nineteen, has been basically taken up with interviewing authors. And the hardest thing so far has been um, <laughs> the tr transcribing. Mm. You know, you you do these tape these things. That the the interviews last for you know between an hour and ninety minutes. That's a lot of words. They're about eleven thousand words. Oh, another author that we did so fun, Madeline Miller, author of Circe. Mm -hmm. She's we went out to her house in Philadelphia, suburban Philadelphia, and um, and met her two little girls. They're so cute. And the, <laughs> the the youngest one when we came in was not wearing any clothes. She's in a in a period of not not wanting to dress. And the older one, who's maybe close to five, I guess, when we were leaving, she said, she looked at me very seriously, and she said, you're old, aren't you? <laughs> I said, and of course, I think like Madeline and I was going, oh my God. And, and I said, I am old. How did you know? And, and the little girl said, well, I looked at your hair. So I think, you know, that made me think, I went to my hair cutter in Seattle and said, do you think I should dye my hair? <laughs> Because a naked four-year-old yeah, told right, me I should. Right, right. No, this, the four-year-old was dressed very appropriate. Oh, okay, okay, It was okay. the two-year-old. Got you, got you, got you. Um, and uh, another another of the places that we went to that was so, so wonderful was T.C. Boyle, Tom Boyle's house in California um, near Santa Barbara. And he lives in one of the earliest Frank Lloyd Wright houses, prairie-style houses on the West Coast, maybe it's the first one, and he was so generous. You know, he his books are. I mean, his books and his short stories. He's just such a major, a major writer. And I've always been a little. I interviewed him years and years ago, and what I remember, I what I, I was so. I don't get nervous about interviewing people. But I was really nervous about interviewing him because when it was announced that I was going to interview him, people would come up to me on the street and say, um, T.C. Boyle, huh? And then they would shake their head like, oh, poor Nancy. And then, but he was, he was wearing red Converse high tops. Love. You know, yeah, just so great. And, the, and so he showed us around the house. He had a little, um, uh, he had like, Water, uh, sparkly water and bread and tomatoes out on one of the porches and you know made me want to live in a Frank Lloyd Wright prairie of course, style. right right so the but the book is a collection of those of, of all those interviews and what what we discovered I think what Jeff and I both knew and Jeff is a playwright he's he adapted um uh, Dennis Johnson's Jesus' Son and Michael Chabon's Cavalier and Clay are two of the things that he he adapted for the stage. Um, but what what I think we we knew, but what has been made so clear is that when you have a writer talk about the books they love, they're talking about their lives, mm -hmm. you know. And so you don't. It's not even. It's not that. 
the interviews aren't at all intrusive, but they're very personal. Mm -hmm. And that was so great. And it was so great to hear um, Dave Eggers talk about the fact that he wasn't a great reader, that he was dyslexic, and how much trouble he had with that as a child. And his wife, Vedda Levita, when we interviewed her, talked about that her father had brought home, had, had found or bought somewhere a huge bookcase and and those were the and filled it with books and those were the books that she remembers reading and pulling down from the bookshelf so So, you know all of those um abor tolls talking about um a a book club that he's in where they um pick an author or pick a theme and then generally read chronologically um through the works and um and then the overlapping, the overlapping of how many, how many writers, for example, um, talked about how, how one of their early, bo- the, the early books that they loved or admired was Shakespeare, you know? Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so that kind of, or their feelings about F. Scott Fitzgerald um, and The Great Gatsby and I mean, just really, and and Charles Johnson, um, the novelist and nonfiction writer Charles Johnson, talking about wanting to be a cartoonist, and that was his great, that was his career plan. He wanted to be a cartoonist, and then got, um, you could say, a little bit sidetracked with <laughs> Middle Passage, which won the National Book Award. Yeah, <laughs> just a little sidetracked. Just a little sidetracked. So it's been. Um, it's been fun and we've learned a lot and I think that what what readers are going to get from this book that's exciting is a, a ton of book recommendations well so I love I love that I you and I talked a little bit about um, the recommendations that so in your discussions uh, with these authors you you were naturally talking about what they like and then course you were talking about what you like and then you were each discovering books that either you had in common or books or authors that you had not read right and so I, I want to just ask you a little bit about that like you know can you give an example of, of a conversation that you oh really had you re- you haven't read that author that's interesting I mean right. I wonder how much of your how much um, effect these conversations turned into something more discovery yes for other yeah. authors of other uh, authors well um Amor Tolls it turned out in this in this um, this group that's been going on for many years. I think um, you know they read Proust, for example, and they read um, Anthony Pohl's *A Dance to the Music of Time*. And but they hadn't read Iris Murdoch, and Amor had not read Iris Murdoch. And you know Amor Tolls' books are they're one of the very few books few you know his two novels a gentleman from moscow and rules of civility he's not in those books think how unusual that is and do you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. they're not at all autobiographical mm-hmm. you know they're they're i mean he he's he, he's in them in the sense it's his brain and right. his sensibility right. but but they're not you know, and all this this period that we're going through with all this auto fiction, mm-hmm. and and you know, always memoirs. Mm-hmm. These books for me were just so wonderful because they were 
uh, uh, novels, you know, to kind of true novels. Mm-hmm. And Iris Murdoch, in many ways, um, she's not in her novels, especially the middle period of Iris Murdoch, she's not in her novels either, and they're so highly intelligent. The, 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 the middle novels like um, A Fairly Honorable Defeat or um, oh, uh, The Philosopher's Pupil, all, all of those. Um, that I I know he'll love those. I love that. So you're so, so you're being a reader's advisory yeah, library. Exactly. <laughs> you're having these exactly. conversations with these authors right. about their books. Right. I right. love that. Can yeah. you talk about Jennifer Egan's library? Her person, because I oh. what I love about this is you're you're sort of pulling back the curtain a lot because you're inviting right. people and you're so warm and wonderful and inviting and and people trust you because they feel they they feel enveloped by you in a way well, and appreciated and so I feel like you you just got this look into their lives that the rest of us would never get well um, Jennifer Egan was so generous with her time and we went to her house and um, it's like four stories and there's lots and lots as you might imagine her her husband's in the theater and uh, lots and lots of books and she her books are arranged is so interestingly. So if you think about the novels that Jennifer's written, um, The Keep and Look at Me and The Keep and The Visit from the Goon Squad and Manhattan Beach, they're all her books. If you look at her bookshelves, there's like one bookshelf that's devoted to the books she was reading and doing research for or just reading to get atmosphere from for like Manhattan Beach and you know the 70s for the visit from the goon squad and um, books about prisons and writing in prison and everything for the keep Um, and that's Mm -hmm. how those books are arranged and I you know think about like I have a my books are arranged very a very loose arrangement by alphabet (laughs) alphabet alphabetical by author so like I try to keep all the A's together, <laughs> you know, and all that. Um, so seeing how people do that, seeing how people arrange their books. Um, and Amor is a book collector as well. One of the most entertaining things that we did was that, or one of the things that was most fun was that Tom Boyle, T.C. Boyle, walked us through his house to, and we went over, you know, we, we looked at his bookshelves together. Mm-hmm. And like I would say, um, oh, The Woman Who Lost Her Soul by Bob Shikoshis. I loved that book. And he'd say, oh, I really loved that book, too. That was a great book. Um, and, I, you know, just those, I mean, that, isn't that what reading is? Yeah. Reading is meeting people. And mm-hmm. in a book, you meet the people in the book. You meet those characters. But then to be able to sort of share your love with an author that you admire mm-hmm. and whose books you've really always cherished that that was really it was really great yeah that's 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 a completely um i don't know i it, it, it's funny because when we were just walking down the hallway to uh, here at Harper Collins to record this podcast you were picking, pointing out. 
pointing at books. I know. Oh, that was such a good book. Oh, look at that. That was so good. But that's a different, and it's so cool that you do that. And then we said, well, that's, yeah, that's, right. we should do this, you know, but so that you're, you're picking out books as you're walking. I don't even think you realize you do it in half the time. You're no, just like, I oh, don't. God, that fucking right. picking things out. But naturally, all the books that are on the shelves here line the hallways of Harper are publications of HarperCollins Publishers. Right. And here, you're going into these people's homes who have books from every house, large and small. And, and so it's completely subjective. Yes. And it's completely objective. Yes. And it's com- and it's, I just... I don't know. There's something very, very cool about that conversation yes. because it is not driven by house and publisher. Right. It's right. driven by the love of the character in yes. the book. Yes, and, so cool. And so, like Louise Erdrich told us that we interviewed her at her bookstore mm. in um, Birchbark yep. Books in Minneapolis, and um, she said that one of the best things about owning a bookstore is that. She gets to read all these books yeah. um, and still do all the, you know, does all the writing, you know, that she does. You know, there's all those writers, the pasts of all those writers. Mm-hmm. Russell Banks told us what a, a fabulous story of his childhood and his fourth grade teacher. He was kind of a troublemaker, and his fourth grade teacher took him out of the class and had the the janitor in the school build um, a big plywood, uh, put a big, big, big piece of plywood um, on like sawhorses, and and said to his, this teacher said to him, "Now Russell, this year what you are going to do is build a map of Brazil on this big piece of cart of, of of like plywood, and you're going to learn all about Brazil." And he said. That's doing like the reading about Brazil and doing the research about that and building this, making this. He said that's how he began to learn about the power of books. Wow. Isn't that a wonderful yeah, story? Yeah, that's a great teacher. And that br- that's just what I was going to say. And that brilliant teacher who took yeah. this, you know, trouble, troublemaking yeah. kid. Oh, and then he told us, oh my gosh, so many wonderful stories. Russell was like a working, I mean, he was like a blue collar kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But he he heard that um, that the author of The Man with the Golden Arm, Nelson Algren, he heard that Nelson Algren <laughs> was um, teaching at Breadloaf mm-hmm. in, in Vermont. And, and, and Russell said, you know, he, he loved Nelson Algren's books and he want, he thought that would be really good to study with Nelson Algren, even though, this is like a quote from Russell, what I remember from the interview, he said, you know, he didn't know what a writer's conference was and he certainly didn't know what a bread loaf was. <laughs> <laughs> and bread loaf at that time was run by John Shardy, the poet who wrote for the, who I think was poetry editor, the editor of the Saturday Review. And um, and he went there to study with Nelson Algren, and he said that was his MFA. Wow. And then they hung out. I mean, I don't want to give away all the great stories, but but let me just do the bottom line was that after a, an absence of a, a, about a week where he and Nelson Algren went on the road in Russell's truck, um, John Shardy fired Nelson Algren. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So he wasn't teaching oh. there. And then they went to Boston and hung out in in um, in Russell's apartment there. So, uh, so you know, you learn even though you start out that it's not a biographical biographical um, 
interview, you know, we never talk about like where where were you born. We we right. generally started with were you a reader as a child and and what did you read and and um, oh Michael Shabon and Ayala talked about um, uh, um, science fiction and uh, Nine Princes in Amber by Roger Zelazny, which is one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. And you know when you find somebody who loved a book that you loved and. It's like your best friends for that for that moment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I know I've gone on and on. And no, on. it's great. So, so these wonderful stories that you have these these behind the behind the book pieces, these right. pulling the curtain back and and seeing their homes and and getting to know them on a more personal level, meeting their their children. In the case of Madeline Miller, whose first book, by the way, was Song of Achilles that yes. we did. Yes. Um, so. How much of that will be in the book so that the reader gets what you got or some of what you got? Yes, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of it will be in the book. Um, each of the each of the interviews will have an introduction setting the scene mm-hmm. um, where we'll talk about, um, you know, the, the, the situation under which, you know, mm-hmm. we did these interviews. And then one of the things that we're still figuring out is... You know, reading every interview, there'll just be all these books that these authors, especially if you like these authors. Right. You know, like Mm. if you love Tom Boyle's books, wouldn't you really want to see what he loved? Well, he loved The Woman Who Lost Her Soul by Bob Shikosis, as did I. <laughs> it's one of his books. I love it. I love it. You're like every librarian's dream. Uh, well, no, you are a librarian. Yeah, but right, right. that whole, you know, if you love this, you'll love yes, that. Yes, yeah. So that fits right into this audience. So, and, you know, and so somehow those books are going to be, you know, pulled out. I mean, they'll be in the interview, but they'll be pulled out. Um, and there'll be um, illustrations so um, a peek into the a peek behind the curtain right. and getting a, a look at their personal lives, and at the end, um, in addition to these wonderful conversations, uh, a checklist of books that if you haven't read, you should. Yeah. Um, yeah. What should yeah. what What do you hope readers take away from this book? Um, I hope they take away, well, certainly a really good um, to be read list. I, I mean, I hope they take that away, but I I hope they take away a sense of the vastness and richness of what's out there to read. Um, two of the authors that we haven't mentioned that we talked to uh, and had just wonderful conversations with Viet Thanh Nguyen, um, author of The Sympathizer, Mm-hmm. Uh, Vietnamese American writer, oh, three authors that we haven't mentioned, Louis Zureya, mm-hmm. um, who I, can I just tell this wonderful yeah. one, one like wonderful story mm-hmm. about about him? What he told us um, that his he said his first erotic experience. <laughs> he was like nine or ten years old, and his mother read him Tom Sawyer, and he said there's a scene in Tom Sawyer <laughs> where Becky Thatcher is chewing gum and she gives Tom the gum from her mouth to chew and he said oh my god I mean that blew his mind (laughs) he said he didn't know you could do that (laughs) it was so wonderful and and 
that so night. Sweet. I mean, it was so sweet. Yeah. So you know, and 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 he talked about Luis Urea talked about um, being the child of um, really parents who were in many ways at war, and one wanted his mother, who was an uh, American, wa- called him Louis. His father, who was Mexican, called him Luis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that war, and 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 how his mother tried to win the war, if you will by reading him great American fiction, which is how that all began. That is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Leila Lalami talked about growing up in Morocco and reading French. Um, and, you know, um, that whole notion of Orientalism, uh, Edward Said, that ca- has come up in a few, mm-hmm. a few of the interviews. And you know, I had read about Edwards. I personally had read about him, and I, I, I kind of knew what he was talking about, but I never read Orientalism, his book Orientalism. And so when we finished, after we had heard it from two writers in a row, how important that book was to them, I went and, and uh, I bought a copy of Orientalism to read it. So, so Jeff and I are both huge readers, and... Um, you know, we were just dumbstruck by the 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 wealth of um, what's out there and range and depth and you know every big boundless word you can think of um, to read. Yeah, that's great. It sounds I'm just picturing a Venn diagram. I know. You know, of books that everybody's yeah. all everybody's yeah. on the same page about, and yeah. then there's these you know there yeah. are these titles that you know you discovered right because yeah. of them and yeah. they discovered because of you. Yeah, and yeah. And that would be interesting to do because yeah, it would certainly be. in the center would be um, the Great Gatsby, and um, and which, which I don't think we talked to anybody who didn't end up loving that book. Mm. Um, uh, Holden Caulfield, mm. Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. You know, some some oh. loved it more than others. I loved that. But, book. You know, but then there's the outliers. Raymond Quinault. You know, like I don't think a lot of people, or, or what's his name, Robrier, the the French writer, or the, you know, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are endless, there's an endless uh, amount of, uh, I don't know, there are yes. endless books to read. Yeah. We only had all the time in the world, but yeah. you've, you've made it, uh, you and Jeff have, have given people a book, a, a gift in this book, and so we can't wait to share it yes. with readers. So I, um, is there anything else that you wanted to say, or do you feel like we've... No, I think, I think we've talked about it. Yeah. We've talked about it enough to wet their whistle, and yeah. that, but to not yes. give it all, all, yeah. away all the goods. All the good stories. Yeah. Yes. So, well, Nancy, thank you so much for taking the time to stop and talk about this book. It's so exciting, and uh, we just treasure you. You are a national treasure. And we love you and thank you for all that you have given us. And we can't wait to read this book, The Writer's Library. It's coming out in the fall of 2020. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.
Thank you.